0: The NFL is finally back and it seems like nothing's changed or has it helmets off is on. Before we get into the NFL stuff, uh, we had a rather significant uh, change in college football, and that is that the Big Ten, one of the traditional conferences in uh, college football, Power Five Conference, has decided unanimously to begin playing football, and not in uh, January, and not in November, but actually in October. And they, uh, they felt that, for whatever reason, that since they could test these players on a much um, more timely fashion and probably cost-effective fashion, that it would make sense for the Big Ten to come back and actually play football. What what I don't understand with all of this, it's like they had all this time. All of this time since, since this virus started. And then at the 11th hour, and I mean the 11th hour – Two of the main conferences in the country just decided to say, "Hey, we're out. We're done." And it's always felt to me like that wasn't the reason. That it wasn't the doctor's advice. That it wasn't. It wasn't the concern of of the you know player safety. I really believe. I firmly believe this that it it had to do with uh, the um, the players talking about being united and the fact that the players may down the road if something bad were to happen long-term health issues with a myocarditis uh, or other other things which happen in any person who actually gets uh, a virus by the way in fact there was a star lady Tulele who played at Utah was considered one of the top picks in the draft had had a, a, a the flu essentially and had myocarditis and it showed up on his report and they said hey this guy's got a problem with his heart well it turns out that he didn't uh it was just the flu so it just never has made sense to me why all of these doctors have such different opinions and why the pac-12 and the big 10 decided not to play football and i really believe that it was just cya we don't want to uh, expose ourselves to any long-term lawsuits, class action suits that could happen down the road. And these players could have something happen from anything possibly and blame it all on this virus. And who's to say they weren't right? And that we forced them to play. I've always said, let the players opt out. Uh, let you know, let the ones who want to play, play. Start the season. If things don't work out, you have issues, you just pull the games. I mean, BYU is playing – army and they said no we're not going to play the game too too many too many uh you know chances and we and they just didn't play the game and and college football kept going on it's still going on that game may or may not be rescheduled later in the year but they're still playing the games so i really think and i i think this not because uh they had this magic you know this magic bullet uh, but they they decided that um, college football was going on without him. The fact that they were going to have a college football playoff, the fact that they're going to have Heisman Trophy races and other, other postseason awards, and, and it just was too much. The fact that the NFL started to play, the fact that, that all these other sports are out playing, and it just looked bad on top of being sued for not playing. And having all these players that were not happy about it, and were very vocal about it, and they didn't play. Uh, recently, there was a, a, a letter written to the governor of the state of California by the USC football team. And in, in that letter, and this is why I think all of all of this um, this concern over a lawsuit has been really the issue. And it's not player safety. It's not whatever. These players wrote, they said, look, we understand that the we are united thing um, may have had some kind of uh, inference that maybe we didn't want to play. And we do want to play. And uh, maybe there was an inference that we didn't think anything would happen this year. But we also, you know, we didn't want players who said, hey, I'm I'm not comfortable playing to not lose a year of eligibility. And I think it's a reasonable request. um there was a reason they put that in there. It was a reason because I think there was this perception, and again, I think it's the only reason, the only explanation that even begins to make any sense to me that uh why why these conferences pulled this. They were just they were just concerned about uh legal, long-term legal issues. And that's just what I believe. I don't think you're gonna change my mind. I think there's another interesting uh little subplot in this whole thing. The president of the United States, President Trump, went to and visited with several of these uh, schools and actually pleaded with and requested that they come back, that they, they find a way to continue uh, with this, the, this, the fall sports. And of course, they could have made this decision back when, when the president came out and, and asked them to do this but they can't be political (laughs) or maybe they can, I don't know. So it would look really bad. The president comes out, pleads with the PAC or the big 10 PAC 12 to start football again. And, and they go, yep, we're going to do it. Then they say, Oh my goodness, we're, we're bowing to the request of the president. So he came out a couple of weeks ago and they're like, we're just going to sit on this for a little while uh, until we can, you know, we can't have it appear to be a political thing. But how, how magically, magically, that the um, Big Ten now has this early, often testing procedure. And that was kind of, it's kind of the saving grace for them. Look, They, they know they made the wrong decision to start with. And they were just looking for a way to save face. And they can't just go, oh, yeah, our bad. You know, we kind of messed up. We should have been playing football. This made a bad choice. And this, this early testing gave them the opportunity to actually say, okay, we can now do this. Now, what's going to be interesting, four of the five power conferences have now decided to play football. I, I don't think it's uh, a question of if the Pac-12 is going to do it. Now it's a question of when. Clearly, the the Big Ten wanted to be in the playoff picture. I don't know that the Pac-12 legitimately thinks they have a team that could contend for the playoffs. With the fact that all of these conferences are just playing conference schedules, you're probably going to have a team, uh, probably a one-loss Power Five conference uh, champion will make it. And that's probably the best you could ask for. I wouldn't be surprised if there are teams that have two losses. There may even be one with three. There may be one of those UCF teams out there this year that might make the playoffs with an unblemished record. Who knows? It's highly unlikely, but um, if there was ever a chance for the Power Five or the pack 12 to get into the playoffs, I think it would be this year. So, having having that said, um, it's going to be really interesting to watch in the next little while and see how the Pac-12. Gets tremendous heat now. I mean, you got USC writing letters to the governor. You've got all these other, you know, other issues out there. Now they're going to claim now there's all these fires and it's a health hazard for these teams to be playing under these air conditions, you know, these with these air quality conditions. And you've got three NFL teams practicing in all different parts of Southern California. You have uh, the Seattle Seahawks in the state of Washington. You have – so there, there, you know, this excuse about f- fires. <coughs> uh, excuse me, <coughs> I got smoke from <coughs> bad air quality. Um, look, if they, if the state of California, state of Oregon, Washington, they want to play football, they can make the choice to play football. It's not that hard. And so it's just going to be interesting to watch. How do these schools? How does everyone handle? the pressure from, from that they're now going to get, the Pac-12, because they're the only conference, the only Power 5 conference not to start. Will it push up their start date? Will they come out with an announcement fairly soon? It'll be fascinating to see, and it will be absolutely just awful and atrocious if they continue continue to bury their head in the sand and not let these teams play. Uh, good stuff to watch. We'll see what happens. And, and not only that, it's like, how does the Big Ten – Like in in a a week, get this information or two weeks, and they're they're ready to have a season in October. You know what's going on with the with the Pac-12, and maybe there hopefully there is a lot going on, and that they get this thing going. All right, I'm going to take a break. Come back. Uh, What happened in the week one of the NFL? You'll find it here on Helmets Off. Hey, welcome back to uh, Helmets Off. Of course, Week One in the NFL is a fascinating week, always, and, and it's always because there are storylines that start to develop, and there's there's some storylines that are so improbable. There are storylines that are so shocking, and there are storylines that say status quo. Yep, this is this is what we expect. And then there's kind of uh, – you start to see maybe some Giants emerging. Not the New York Giants. Sorry, Madison. But you start to see some teams that might make a serious run in the playoffs. Let me start with the improbable. Like, so unlikely. And everyone will, everyone will jump on this bandwagon if this bandwagon continues. And it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. The Jaguars basically just got rid of everyone and they basically just said, look, we're, we're just going to, um, you know, build for the future. Right. Well, uh, the problem is someone forgot to tell Gardner Minshew. And here's a guy who, I mean, this is, this is a guy who has, let's say, he's like a cult, a cult fixture. He's like from the, the, the movie picture, Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? He's one of those crazy characters that just, you know, Napoleon Dynamite kind of comes out of nowhere. This is a kid who was at East Carolina going nowhere. He's a grad transfer, beats out three or four people at Washington State when Mike Leach is there and has this just un, un, improbable, uncanny, amazing year. Really, he was, he was just spot on, remarkable. And you look and you go, kind of smallish, doesn't really have a strong arm. At best, you know, maybe he's a practice squad player. Maybe he's a backup guy. That, you know, he's undrafted. And all of a sudden, a year ago, he ends up the starting quarterback for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then on top of that, this year they open the season and the, you have the Indianapolis Colts, who a lot of people think, you know, are kind of that AFC, you know, south – champion or, or, or going to contend, they've got Phillip rivers. They, they've got a good football team and Gardner Minshew throws um, every single pass completed, except for one throws, three touchdown passes comes out of nowhere. I mean, this is a guy who has a mustache. He looks like he's from the seventies with a tank top, a striped tank top shirt, Daisy Duke shorts and like flip flops. I mean, he's so improbable and and I love it. If he keeps winning, he's going to be like – he's going to become this, like, cult fixture in the NFL, and, and of course, the minute they lose again, no one's going to care. All right, then you have – you have maybe what was a disappointment. And uh, <clears throat> the disappointment, I think, is well, – I'll give you a disappointment. Um, You got to go with the Detroit Lions, and and how they just had a heartbreaking loss. Guy has the the go ahead touchdown late in the game in his hands in the end zone, and no one's around him. He just drops the ball. Painful, painful for an organization that's had a lot of pain throughout the years, and you feel like maybe they're they're turning a corner. They're playing a division rival in the Chicago Bears opening day, and it just feels like, man, this. This this is kind of a, a turning point. But that it has to be it has to be a massive, massive disappointment uh for for the um for the um um the Detroit Lions. And and so so that's kind of a disappointing thing. I'll tell you another thing that's disappointing, and that's I think for people Tom Brady. And and Tom Brady is is kind of um Uh, a big disappointment in that um, I think everyone with, with Bruce Arians being his coach, with the kind of talent that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have, with the career that Tom Brady's had, that you would say, man, this is a match made in heaven. And you look at the body language, you look at the body language of the coach, you look at the body language of the players, you look at the body language of Tom Brady, and it just doesn't feel that way. Like, like it just, it just, it, he looks weird in that jersey. Uh, They don't seem to be on sync on the same page. And you just have to wonder, um, you know, how, how and if this thing will, will turn, turn around. And I'm not putting the panic button on anything right now. But it just didn't feel like Tom Brady. It just didn't feel like the, you know. Where this team, I think everyone expected it to be. I think people expected them to just be, um, you know, lights out, sharp, dominant, not even close. And it's not to say it won't, but who knows. Okay, here's one, and this is kind of fun. So I live in Utah. I do the play-by-play for Utah football, and it's fun to see – the, some of the players that you you spend a lot of time watching and playing have success in the NFL and as rookies, which is pretty good. So you got Jalen Johnson, speaking of the Detroit Lions. He knocks away the go-ahead, you know, the last play of the game in the end zone to seal the victory for the Chicago Bears. And you say, well, is that significant, is it not? Yeah, it's really significant because it's um, it's – in the NFL, you either make the plays or you don't. And when the play was there to be made, he made the play. And that's what you have to do to be a player, to say to stay, uh, to have success in the NFL. So that's a huge first day for a guy like Jalen Johnson. Uh Zach Moss, who was a great running back for Utah, he catches a touchdown pass in uh um in his first game, and that's really exciting to see. And then and then of course uh Marcus Williams, who is a safety place for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, He's a local guy here and, and he, you know, he had a chance in in the AFC playoffs or NFC playoffs against the Minnesota Vikings. And he had that whiff play that went for a touchdown in an improbable victory where it just seemed like the, the Vikings were left for, for dead. And he has this faux pas and it just, you know, it's just, just a tough thing. And he's a great player, great safety, really good to see him have an interception. Of course, at the expense of Tom Brady. And when you're a player, and one, you're like Zach Moss, who, or you're Jalen Johnson, and and it's your rookie year, and you score a touchdown, they're exciting anyways. It it really is. It's just there's, there's the adrenaline going through your body, how hard you work, and you go in, you score, or you throw the touchdown, or you run it, rush it in, whatever, doesn't matter, or you catch it like Zach did. It's so exciting, but when you're a rookie, and it's your first game. It's almost, it's almost incomprehensible. It's almost, it almost leads you like non-functioning. It's so exciting. And it's fun to see a guy like Zach, who I think I think will have a good career and he's in a really good place in Buffalo. That's just really exciting to see, to see him play well and, and to have that success. And then you have a, you know, you have a veteran guy like uh, a Marcus Williams and, and it's still exciting because you know what, for the rest of his life, he'll, he'll be able to say, yeah, picked off Brady. Claims he's the greatest of all time, but I picked him off. And and that will live with, with Marcus really forever. And that will be a cool moment and a cool highlight for him in his career. Um, there, Wow, there's so much that went on this week that was so exciting. Uh, there, let, let me take a break, and I'll, I'll come back, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap all this up in our last segment. Uh, with some of the teams that uh, man, they look good and uh, and it wasn't a surprise and then I'll kind of give you some maybe some little uh, let's not get too carried away Zach Moss it was just one game it was the first game and let's talk about what all of this first week stuff actually means in the NFL Welcome back to helmets off Scott Mitchell, your host here, final segment of the show. And of course, love for you to, uh, to like us, uh, you know, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we, we have, uh, we have Facebook pages, all that fun stuff, uh, helmets off at the helmets off podcast and at the helmets off show, uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. Um, I'll tell you who is scary. Patrick Mahomes is scary to me. Patrick Mahomes is really scary in the sense that he hasn't peaked. Like he has, he hasn't he hasn't hit that decline. Like Tom Brady's peaked. Drew Brees has peaked. Ben Roethlisberger's peaked. Russell Wilson, I'm not sure yet. I don't th- I don't think he's peaked either. He's another guy who really really looked good. But let, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes just for a minute. Patrick Mahomes is so scary because he's so good right now. The, the way he throws the football, uh, the, the accuracy, all the different types of throws, scary. But what's even scarier is this kid wants to be really good and competes for championships and has that mindset every day, steps on the field. What you saw him go and do in the playoffs, where I talked earlier in this in this podcast, you either make a play or you don't. Bill Parcells, you know, your record is what your record is, and that's who you are, whether you like it or not. It's just that's what that's who you are. And and so you see Patrick Mahomes, and he's like, you know, three years in the league, and you're just like, whoa, you know, this is uh well, it's just scary. It's scary where he can go. And I really hope he stays healthy. I hope that Andy Reid stays around because it's so helpful to have a system that you know and you just, you understand it's, it's so, so invaluable. So to have, to have that happen and watch him play the first, you know, the first, first game of the season, you just, you have to be excited. You have to be fascinated. Quite frankly, if you're a fan of football, you're a fan of the NFL to see where Patrick Mahomes goes. And he doesn't seem to be affected by half a billion dollars. It's just like, yeah, just playing football. And and some guys get affected by it. I think a guy like Todd Gurley got affected by getting a lot of money. I really do. And and I think there are other players that that's happened to in the past. So the other one is is Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is a guy that um, he's evolved into more of a quarterback, a complete quarterback, but it's only because they, they've just – they've they've evolved their offense he was kind of play action behind marshawn lynch he would extend plays with his legs which he was i think he was as good as anyone in the nfl at doing that been to a couple of super bowls and and really managed himself very well in those situations probably should have won both of them but it is what it is and and he's a guy that continues to evolve and continues to get better and the ceiling is not there for him another guy that Uh, I think people had written off as maybe on the decline was Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers showed up big time in week one almost it's almost like it's almost like the Green Bay Packers knew that the best way to get the best out of Aaron Rodgers is to create a chip on his shoulder by drafting Jordan Love in the first round you put the biggest chip you possibly could on his shoulder and I'm sure he's out to say you know I'm going to show you kind of attitude uh, it'll be, it, that'll be fascinating to watch and see how that unfolds. Cause he looked really, really good. Um, so here's a team that I think is one of those sleeping giants and it's the, it's the Buffalo bills. I really, I know, I know a lot of people, but the question mark was the quarterback was Josh, was Josh Allen up to the challenge. And it looks like he's maturing. It looks like he's getting better. And it looks, looks like, with his ability to, to be multidimensional, it's, it's a really good team. Another guy who is scary is, is the Baltimore Ravens. I wouldn't be surprised the Baltimore Ravens win the Super Bowl this year, actually. And I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo and Baltimore are playing in the AFC championship game. I know, I know the Kansas City Chiefs are there, but, um, man, uh, Lamar Jackson just looks better and better. And that's, that's a scary, scary football team. A lot of good football, a lot of good teams in the AFC, uh, really good teams, and and the NFC too. I mean, um, you know, of course you have the Seahawks, you have the Saints, and the Buccaneers are going to be there. All right, let me get to just kind of – let me tell you about week one. And it's going to hold true probably longer than it would normally simply because these teams did not have the preseason. Players don't really like the preseason, but you need a couple of games. You need two, three games – just to kind of get the feel of things, and that's it, and you're good to go. You can get a better read on some of these younger players, whether're you, you know, in an evaluation, game situations, are these guys good, are they not good, whatever. And so with that being said, don't don't read too much into what I just said to you. <laughs> I just made observations of where teams are right now, but the reality is it's going to be three weeks, it might be a month before you really start to see the trend and to see who, who's, who's a team that's going to be exceptional this year and, 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 who are the pretenders and who are the contenders? And, um, you know, like a great coach said to me, Hey, relax, kid. It was only one play. And it's like, uh, all these NFL teams, relax guys. It was only one game. And I guarantee you, you're going to see a better performance from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're going to see per- better performances for a lot of other teams down the road. The interesting part right now is, is just going into this week. Go look at all of the teams that are 0-1, and, and they're playing each other. And one of those two teams is going to go to 0-2. And, and the likelihood of making the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl dramatically decline when you start a season out 0-2. So it'll be – don't watch the teams that are – watch the teams that are struggling for their survival because that psychological uh, impact of that 0-2 start starts to wear on these players, and they start wondering, can we, can we actually win? And those are your fascinating matchups. And I'll give you one. The Bengals and the Browns, two teams that really need to win football games. And they both play each other on Thursday night. Fascinating matchup. A lot, a lot of and one teams that are that will be interesting to watch that maybe, maybe you don't pay a lot of attention to because you want to watch, you know, the, the marquee good games. But some of these teams are, you know, their season might be over before it ever starts. All right, well, we started, and we, you know what, we finished, because Helmets Off is now off. Uh, Thank you so much for joining the show, and until then, we'll catch you soon.